Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, tonight is three boys in our houses on Zoom. I'm John, and I'm joined by Dan. Good evening, mate. Evening, chaps. Uh, Ian, good evening, mate. Good evening, both. And uh, following the success of our last pod, we're trying to keep this one short and sweet as well. Obviously, Phil's not with us. He's in Cornwall. Um, having lots of fun, I'm sure. By having lots of fun, probably just getting really pissed. Uh, but he will have a lot of fun um, with the result that United got over the weekend against Blackburn. Seems a while ago now. And we're just going to have a little half an hour, 40 minutes, and talk about that Blackburn game, that very comprehensive performance. And then preview Luton on Friday, where me and Ian are both going, I believe. I am. Yes, so am I. I'll be like hook or like crook. I will be. Yeah, Ian's Ian wants someone to take him basically, so he can have a drink. So if anyone wants to take Ian with them, please do get in touch, and he'll uh, he'll jump in your car. And I'm sure you'll be watching on TV, Dan. No, they will. Yeah, so big, big, big game. But let's talk about Blackburn. Top of the league turn up, and we did them three 0 without really. Having, I, I don't know, I felt like if we needed to, we could have gone into another gear on top of what we did with the subs. It was it was every bit the comprehensive performance and some really, really good performances from individuals in there. I suppose, Dan, talking about the performance generally, what would be your thoughts? Um, fantastic and comfy would be, would be the way I'd describe it. Um, I think, yeah. It's like how Dan the- likes his slippers. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm lost for words. And... Sorry, I'll go back on mute while I eat. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought we were. I thought we were really good at kind of both ends of the pitch. Really, we we limited them to to next to nothing. Uh, John, you and I were talking just before we started recording about how we kept Brerett and Diaz quiet. Um, we did. I think he's. I think he's a lot better than he showed on Saturday. I think he's. Um, I think he's probably playing at half pace at the minute with one eye on a on a move before this time next Wednesday. But you know he's still dangerous. Um, and at the other end of the pitch, I thought we were at times unplayable. Um, and I'm, I'll include in that McBurney. And obviously, you know, it's been I've not been kind of shy over the, the last couple of years of saying I don't particularly rate him and I wouldn't have been sorry to see him go. But I have to say the performance on Saturday was was very good. It's kind of everything. Everything we thought we were getting when we signed him, with one obviously rather large glaring omission, which is putting the ball in the back of that. But if he carries on playing like that, then surely the goals will come and, and he'll be a he'll be a real weapon for us. I mean, in the I have tried to advocate for him numerous times as is well documented, but I think that was even better than some of the performances in the first season we had him. Like ones I always think of is like Brighton away where he was up front on his own, pretty much on his own that game and scored the goal and stuff. And I think of games like that where he played really well. That on Saturday, it was everywhere. And he was he was bullying their centre halves, which is like it's fair to say, Dan and Ian and I conclude myself, like I didn't think he had it in him. To, to do that anymore. I think he was a player that his confidence was shot and stuff. And I think really interesting listening to um, Eki, the well, the interview with McBurney this week that I think the Bladesman put up on 
on Twitter and it was saying how um, he'd like hecking bottoms like on him, like mm. properly on him because he knows that he, that's the best way to. And like even McBurney was like, yeah, I sulked a little bit at first because I didn't know why he was doing it. And then apparently Eckingbottom had always saw that in him. So I think that's that's really positive because interestingly, if you'd asked us all at the beginning of the season, if if after however many games, who'd look most likely to be the striker who's going to go on and have a good season, we would have all said Brewster who is light years ahead of McBurney. But in that one performance, I think that's completely completely changed now. It's his shirt to lose in a lot of ways. I thought one thing on McBurney, a couple of observations. One, I agree, by the way, I think he had a good game, apart from doing everything but score, uh, when they, when a couple of good chances presented themselves. But he's bulked up, so we know he's been working out, we've seen that on, on social media. Yeah. So he looks stronger. I think before he always looked a bit rakey and... Uh, I can't think of a better phrase, but you know, Reiki, Rangy, whatever. It, it, looked, it looked like someone who did crystal meth, let's be fair. <laughs> That's, yeah, he, he, he just didn't look like he, he you know, free a good high. Louis Theroux, wasn't it? Like the blade, <laughs> the secret meth footballer. <laughs> but he, he, so he, so he's clearly, and that, that shows. So in his, in his, his, his body language and his physique, just seem to mean a bit more business. Um, the other um, observation I had was how, I, I think for a player like Chris Porter, and I, I can't remember how much he joined us for, or what, he, you know, what, his, um, what the transfer fee was when he joined us, obviously it wasn't a huge amount. So to have a chant of if Porter scores were on the pitch as a bit of a piss take, I'm not saying it didn't, wasn't a great, you know, positive message to give him, but it was, you know, I can't imagine it was, uh, you know, breaking him too much. He was a bit big, him a bit. And they started chanting it to McBurney prior to Saturday. You're kind of thinking, that's got to sit pretty badly with a player who's lacking confidence, who's gone on big wage and a big transfer fee, that there's the kind of Mickey take chant like that. Yeah. But then obviously it changed. It changed during the match on Saturday. And the, the, the chants were a lot more positive and encouraging. And look, like I said, not, neither am I personally his biggest fan or for what he's contributed in the time he's been here. But while over there on the pitch, you've just got to back them. And, yeah. and, and, that, and I think, you know, that, that tone, and, it, and look, the crowd, the crowd are doing it their own way, but that, just that change of tone in, in the backing from in that chant, I think, is important. Because there's a player who needs confidence, who needs people backing him, and started to show us some of what we needed to have seen a lot more consistently over the last couple of years. You think he starts on uh, on Friday? Interesting. Cause I, I, personally, I would use him off the bench on Friday. We've got another game Tuesday, haven't we? Um, so it's we've got two games, in, in you know, not back-to-back, but again, another midweek game. Yeah. I'd be tempted, you know, I think it, it, it depends really, doesn't it, how how Eki sees utilising the players over the two games. That's the options we've got, isn't it? And the, the fact that we can interchange a couple of players and actually they'll give us something different, but each knows their roles, is, is a real positive for us to have. I, I personally wouldn't start him. I'd use him off the bench because I think we need something a little bit more intricate to get past Luton. I don't want to get into a, a sort of a, a kind of physical battle with, with their back line. 
Yeah, possibly. John, you're on mute. I think you're probably um I think you're probably right, Ian, that he might change it, but I think he should. I think he I think he's got every chance of starting. I'd, I think we saw on Saturday Eckingbottom's not not f- afraid to um to sort of to change things up. So also like it was Blades Pod made a good point about um I think it was after the after the Sunderland game they talked about McAtee like, actually putting him again putting him in against like the more physical sides just because he not because he, like he's a punch bag but he'll get kicked quite a lot when there's a lot of free kicks and stuff. I'd, yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting lineup on Friday. It won't be this. It won't be the same as Saturday. It won't be unchanged. I just don't know no. where those changes will be. It'd be my prediction. But isn't isn't that a nice problem to have and a nice position to take to an opposition manager not quite knowing, you know how they'll know how we're going to set up structure wise. But I think the front players bring something different to the game. Whoever we choose. Well, you would imagine Njai surely done enough to get himself a start. Scoring a goal like that, that if that's in a tournament, it's the goal of the tournament. It's probably the goal of the season already for us. Unless he, the the it's the it's everything about that that goal and the and the he's just it's just phenomenal. We have not had somebody for many, many years be able to take the ball from his own half and then put the ball in the other back of the net. Most teams don't, these players don't come around very often and we've got someone who's done it twice in uh, twice in the last... Well, I, can't think, I can't think of... I can't think of many we've had. De- Even De- in, 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 my, in my entire time of watching United who could do what he did the other day. Devlin, Devlin occasionally... Was runs from quite far out in a finish. Didn't Owen Morrison nearly score an absolute brilliant goal like that for Zinsberg? But the point is, it's just phenomenal. And that finish is he is he left footed in guy? Because he's it. I think he's predominantly right footed, isn't he? But which is and that's which even, is, <laughs> the fact that he's done that with his air quotes weaker foot. Frightening. Yeah, it is. And when you consider how, when you consider how, how close we were to losing him for, well, for nothing basically, you know, walking away with, with no contract. You imagine if someone else had picked him up and they started doing this, how gutted we would have been. I, I mean, I think, I think it's very easy now to say why wasn't Wilder playing him in the Premier League, but I don't think those games were right for him, obviously, because no. Uh, I think anyone who's saying that is just getting, I mean, everyone's favourite Spanish accountants um, s- suggested as much that Wilder should have been playing him in the in the Premier League and and that's all well and good. But you're in a relegation battle. You don't throw in a, a flair player winger. I know to, like, that's not how it, that, that's, that's not how football works. No, I mean, that, that could have, that, that could have that could have had the opposite effect of I mean, it. Could have crushed him, ruined him, ruined his confidence. Yeah, and it's also interesting that the player, the person who's got the tune out of him, is the person who's managed him, so knows him. So Eckingbottom had him in the under twenty threes. Everyone last season were like, "Why is he in and out? Why is he being taken off?" And slowly but surely, he's brought his fitness up, and even the like 
it, it's all right if Injai doesn't start and we get a result like the other day. I think if we rotate a lot and he isn't involved, people will people will question Ekinbottom about that because he's such a game changer. But we have got yeah. players in those. It, it's, it, if we were like if we're resting him and Osborne's playing across the front three, you can have a go at Ekinbottom. But if he's if it's for sort of McAtee, if it's Chicago, it's it's part of the it's part of the yeah. keeping everyone fresh, isn't it? So and, and let's be honest, he, he struggles to last ninety minutes generally, and even when he came on Saturday, he obviously felt something after the goal and the celebration. So he's he's got a whack, didn't he? Yeah, not long he, after he, coming on, he got a, he got a real whack on touchline. Yeah, he's either someone who you know who's building fitness, but also does take a knock quite easily. So you know that's another reason to think about how we utilize him and protect him and not get too. Distraught when, like you say, you've got a McAtee, you've got a Kadra, you've got players who can probably play similar or if not similar style with a similar flair and surge that we were looking for. Also, we talked about Kadra, we're going to have games where nothing happens for him, and Jai will have those games as well. Like yeah. the nature yeah. of a forward, just like McBurney will have ones where he ends up getting booked after 10 minutes. Or Brewster, nothing falls for him. He can't get it. like these attacking players. That's the nature of the game they're in. Um, but people who are expected to be involved and have to be involved for us to work. Uh, the midfield too on Saturday. Um, I got a bit of pelters for it in the group chat, but I thought Fleck was really good, uh, and I thought obviously Norwood was very very well documented. Was superb. I think Fleck grew into the game more and more, but I thought he. I thought he helped with the press on Blackburn particularly well in the first half, and then he actually did a bit more in the second half. But Norwood was phenomenal. Do we read much into the celebration? What Norwood's celebration? When he touches his ears, yeah. I, I think it's. I think. He, I think he's copped some pelters. He's openly talked about social media comments, and he's just making a point. I, I, Bear in, mind, bear in mind that he has just scored against Blackburn and he's a Burnley lad. And that's one of the most that's one of the most vicious rivalries in, in English football. I thought you were going to say backward rivalries. Well, yeah, there, there, yeah, there is that. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, no, I know. Fair play. Celebrate. If you if I'd scored a goal like that, I'm not sure I'd be just cupping me as mine. Mm. I just the, yeah, the I, thing, I think the thing we know what is, yes, he's playing fantastic at the minute and he, he is Probably there's an argument to say he's the best midfielder we've ever had. But it's a little bit revisionist to say that during the season we went down from the Premier League, that he wasn't poor because he was. Some of those games in the Premier League, he, he was poor and he, he, was, he was struggling to get around the pitch and he was getting caught in possession. I'm not saying that's all his fault. You know, the, the, the team wasn't flowing well and so the movement in front of him wasn't there. So he was having to hang on to the ball longer. But People who say that he's never had a bad game or a bad patch, he was poor towards the back end of that season. And even the beginning of last season, he wasn't, again, because the team wasn't great, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't what the player we see now. We're back to a system now that suits him. The movement in front of him is as good as probably he's ever had, as he's ever had in front of him with, again, with the likes of, of, uh, of Njaye up there. But, Absolutely, at the minute he's flying, and, and he will take some replacing as and when you know, he gets moved on. Yeah, I don't think anyone. I, I wouldn't disagree with saying that he, he did have poor games, but I think equally to sit as as I've read some people say on Twitter this week, and still say people say 
he's not good enough and he should be out of the team after the start to this season. He's just crackers. Yeah. Um, the, I did see someone the other day that put a list of United midfielders who were better than him, which included Mike Lake, Curtis Woodhouse, Michael Brown, and Charlie Hartfield. Now, yeah. all those players, fantastic. You know, I loved Charlie Hartfield when he was here. Mike Lake was everything he it flew in for about three weeks. Curtis Woodhouse was great. Brown was great. But I'm not. You combine all four of them, and they're still not as good as. It's still not as good as as Norwood is as a central midfielder. And just on Fleck, I think he grew. I think you're right. He grew into the game, and and I think the game we're always in danger of trying to compare one or two of these players with the best spells we've seen from them. But let's be honest, <laughs> for a team, it was interesting as. Uh, Phil was saying on the pod last week, you know, I think Ben on Blades pod was saying everything pointed to Blackburn overperforming in these first few games. You know, the goals coming from distance, getting results, but not really um, backing that up performance-wise. And for a team to come and sit and try and hit us on the break and for us to just stifle that, but also capitalise ourselves. We've seen teams come and do that and we then struggle to break them down. Yet now we've got players and options that enable us to break them down. But when called upon, you know, Gallagher's an awkward striker. Brereton Diaz is clearly, like I say, excuse me, Dan, more, more talented than, than what he showed on Saturday. Yeah. But credit to our defence, we didn't gift wrap them anything. You know, we, you know, we'd, we'd already gifted gift wrap one in the week in Sunderland. You know, we've done it most of the game, every goal we conceded up to that point in the season, you could argue we've been architects of our own downfall. So that was a really pleasing aspect as well for me on, on, on Saturday. You've got the platform at the back that enabled us to, to really press and, and, and punish a team and make, make them look pretty ordinary, to be honest. It says a lot at the minute how, how switched on the back, five, the back four, the back five are. Um, like last season, teams were coming and there were lapses of concentration and missed clearances and missed headers and teams were coming and getting you know, getting early goals or nicking last-minute winners or last-minute equalisers. And it obviously ultimately cost us. Um, it would have been, you know, it, with someone as dangerous as Brereton Diaz, it would have been quite easy the other day, just you know, one of the back five to, to switch off, even at 1-0. They'd peg it back to 1-1. And then you have got a job on to break them down because then they've got something to, they've got something to hang on to. And, they, you know, there's every chance they drop even deep. You really saw that. So whatever Heckingbottom's done, the back five seem a lot more, a lot more switched on to the task in hand, and a lot, a lot less, looking a lot less likely to have these kind of brain farts that, that pegged us back beginning of like the, the first third of last season. And credit to Norrington Davis in that actually. I thought he had a tremendous game mm. on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that's an area we were concerned about. You know, with, with both him and Max Lowe, and over the space of the last couple of games, whilst the right hand sides gained. You know, credit tremendously. Lou had a great game against Sunderland, and it was back to it with the pair of them. And I, but I picked Norrington Davis out of the two um, on Saturday. I thought he it was solid at the back. He got forward well, put one or two good balls into the box as well when he did get forward. So it's good to see us having those options on both sides. I think his delivery is really good, actually, Norrington Davis. I think he, he I, I've, I've, I've been. I've been up and down with him since he broke into the team. I got a bit annoyed at the start of last season that everyone presumed because he'd been on loan at Luton and Stoke, we were getting this world beater for the championship. And I think 
these last three games, maybe four games, have been like the most consistent we've seen from him yet. That I think there's more to come. He's clearly like a, uh, he's clearly like a real physical fit. Like like some of the, he's got this like this this move in his locker now where he seems to like bring the ball out of defense and just keep running, like just like a train. Yeah. And like like he's an athlete. So I think whether he's first choice when when Clark's fit, I don't know. But having having him as an option and then him and Lowe, dare I say, I think they're probably ahead of both ahead of Stevens now. So like he's very good position. Then obviously Jackie Longthrow comes back into the equation. And that side is you talk about strength in depth. You'd argue that can make an argument in Robinson. Well, definitely in Clark and Stevens and Robinson. You first to p- occupy those positions. The three that you'd want to do, whoever plays where, have been injured, and these two have done done a, done an excellent job. Yeah. Brilliant, and it just so happens that it low as a runner games, Norrington Davis as a runner games, and they've 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 started to put some performances together. So. It's it all bodes really well, and even like, like I thought Egan had a pretty solid game as well. I've said to Dan before he came on, it was a flawless performance, but they they didn't seem to want to have a go. But that's fine because I think now we've got the options to break teams down if they come and park the bus. And I think unfortunately with this attacking talent, there might be a few times this season where it is a bit frustrating. But we've been through that under Wilder in in the League One days. I remember like the Ebanks Landell goal against Walsall in ninety odd minutes. Like yeah. you've just got to like if you're going if you're going to get promoted, it's going to happen. So, and also a lot less capable sides than Blackburn might come and try and pack part the bus because there's some talented players there that were in and around the a side that were pushing the playoffs all the way through last season. So, yeah, really good, really positive. And he, he puts in a good position being top of the league, obviously. But to go to Luton on Friday, you've, Luton, have they got four points, something like that? Not really not really pulled any trees up yet? Yeah, they've not, start, they've not started. Five, five points, a win and two draws, two defeats. Okay. And that win obviously came away at SWAT at... The you know the, the media darling Swansea on Saturday you know Russell Martin's team just keep the ball so well they're the possession kings yeah but if you don't turn it into goals well, you can go and watch Lane United there for thirty six pounds fifty in a few weeks if you want I don't think we can talk on that score mind oh I know I know but yeah I think that's twenty uh, is yeah. plenty twenty is plenty yeah definitely. Is that how much it is Friday? I can't even remember. I bought the tickets a few weeks ago. I can't remember it being reasonable. It was in the twenties, but I can't remember. Yeah. So, it's, but, it's... but anyway, it's um, it's it's off to Kenilworth Road. Ian, you've not been before, have you? No. Have so you? Yeah, taking the ground off. It's an experience. I mean, Luton itself is an experience. So the football stadium's quite a um, yeah, quite similar to the town, but. I was going to say just one, one memory on that is that you know I've always wanted it's a ground I've wanted to go to and I missed the the match under Bassett I think was it the first Premier League season the women yeah it was one of the was it January games but no it was was it Boxing Boxing Day or it was Christmas or New Year throughout Christmas period yeah. wasn't it just as that run started as we got that that kind of momentum going yeah and I, I missed that when... but I, I remember just when I was younger just you know the Panini albums and in in 
early mid 80s there was a season where panini printed stadium pictures as the kind of backdrop to all the stickers on each page right. obviously luton were first division then and there was just this picture which i seem to recall was just that random instead of showing an inside picture of the ground it was like external shots so you've got the fantastic baston villa you know the the intricate brickwork and the the, yeah. the signage for, for for villa park and then there's just a picture of some houses and an entrance and I just from that moment on, I was thinking I've got to go to this ground before it before it becomes a because they are moving, aren't they? I think, or they they still got plans to move to a, a you know a stadium somewhere. Then they've had that many a time. I think Luton about domes and all sorts they're going to play under. But yeah, to just uh, go and see one of the true old fashioned grounds before it goes. But yeah, Panini '85 or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I went when we got promoted under Warnock. I think we had them last game of the season. Or the last away game of the season, because uh, I remember that a load of um, we'd already got promoted at this point. It was a bit of a, like a carnival atmosphere, and a load of fellas came dressed up as Akinbayi, and they actually did what you should have never do if you dress up as Akinbayi. Um, and about seven or eight of them, uh, and yeah, I was 16, 17 years old, and I found that to be quite quite the sight. But yeah. Um, I'm, 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 really, I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to it and I think um, if you think back to we probably had I think we had them the same weekend last season uh, where we went there drew nil-nil dreadful game Brewster crossed yeah, we're fairly the ball early on, weren't it? Yeah. Yeah. crossed the ball out of play I didn't go to the game I was watching Kano because I'm so cool um, so I couldn't go but yeah it was bank holiday weekend last year so reasons to be really positive going there he, Jones is an interesting one uh, he's, he's one of those managers where like the club and him just seem to mesh perfectly whereas obviously at Stoke didn't like him and stuff bit unorthodox but yeah we've got a few little uh, X-Blades stories obviously Luke Freeman he's played a few games from this season I believe yeah he's playing in yeah. the halls just behind the front too isn't he yeah so yeah it's nice little so the free well, I guess one other observation, which I was surprised, I didn't realise they signed both strikers from Barnsley last season. I think they were both on the bench on Saturday. One came on, so Carlton Morris and Corey Woodrow. Yeah, Woodrow. I, I, I didn't realise Corey Woodrow were there. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. Uh, so yeah. So there's there's something. I mean, I thought Morris. You know, although we we, we beat them, I think he gave us a. Yeah, he did. He did all right, didn't he? Yeah. Didn't it? Yeah. Decent shifting up front, and also they've got the uh, the player that I picked up last season is sounding like he should be um, on the dark side in Star Wars, Admiral Musquay, <laughs> which is one of my favourite footballer names. If you had a Star Wars eleven, you'd go in there, even though it's not the name of a character in Star Wars. I think. No, surely that's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Admiral, Musquay. but uh, he very much looks like a very similar team to what we faced last season to a large extent. You know. But people like Morris and Woodrow were both on the bench. Although, let's say Morris came off to came on to score at Swansea. Who was the lad they lost to Bristol? Who was one of the better players? The left back was it? Yes. Um, but but yeah, I think like much. If it you got any, they were quite fancied on a lot of the other stuff. Like they're not in the top twenty pod and stuff, but. Last season when we played them at home, we absolutely wiped the floor with them. I think that was yeah, they were we, awful, weren't they? We Bruce was like, yeah. mm, Bruce was like, 
like Booster started to hit his stride and stuff, and then they went on a run and obviously ended up in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but it will it'll be a physical game. There'll be there'll be in his faces. It'll be like a good atmosphere. Obviously sold out away end, uh, unreserved seating. So that's going to be a laugh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How you can have unreserved seating and sold out away end. How's that work? I I suspect there's more seats than they sold tickets. Oh well, yeah. Just yeah, just before. either that or they do it Royal Rumble style and they just keep letting you in one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, it'll mean sitting together is easier, Ian, at least. But like, it's um, it's gonna. It, I don't, I don't know about the eleven. I think there'll be changes across the front three. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I'd be surprised this season if we see the same combination of forwards in more than a couple of games at a time. I think he'll use the squad and, like we said before, the five subs to his to his and our benefit because he can now say to. McBurney or Brewster, just go on and absolutely thrash yourself for an hour because I've got a list of four or five others I can bring on after, you know, and not and, and, and not hamstring myself. So I think, you know, Flake Norwood Berger, and Berger in that most advanced position has to start while he's with this club. He has to start in that position for me. Yeah. Like you say, it's the other two then as to what he chooses to do yeah. around it. And I'd say... Doyle playing for the under-21s would suggest he's not quite up to fitness yet. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's still finding his way in. And and, and you'd probably say, is he a more natural replacement for Fleck? Play that bit deeper. So, you'd, like you say, you'd keep that. That, that three for now is they're in, they're in the hot seat until one of them slips up and someone gets a chance and, and, and proves a point. I mean, at the minute, that's that's the one area where we've probably not got a huge amount of depth, have we? You've got, you've got Doyle behind him. And then, obviously, Osborne's injured. Koulibaly, would he even kind of... Koulibaly's injured, but he's not... Getting yeah, but he's, he, would, he would be the next, you know, the next cab off the rank, but he's he's injured as well. So, it's central midfield's probably an area where... Yeah, be our blaster. blaster's the next in line. Yeah, it's, so then, it's so then you're, into, you're into kids, aren't you, then? So, yeah, but the defence, Clark... Has he said anything at Kimbottom? I think it might be going too far, but I wouldn't that'll probably stay the same. But you, you wouldn't said... ch- you wouldn't change the defense that no. has kept a clean sheet. And to be fair, one mistake aside was pretty solid against Sunderland. I mean, maybe something I don't know, maybe Njai through the middle and McAtee or Njai and Brewster. It'll be... I think it'll be I think it'll be Njai and one other from Yeah. Or it might, it might be Njai and McBurney or maybe. Yeah. so. I think again the fact that with like McBurney's been he's been talking about it, I don't know I think Hickenbottom will be desperate to um, desperate for him to get a goal and I think it's interesting and I, I agree with them again Ben and Andrew might as well you don't need to listen to us just listen to Blades Pod because that's all we do is copy what they say uh, <laughs> when when they said the I think I think I think Andrew said he just got a, a little little feeling that. McCall and Eckingbottom feel that they can get more out of McBurney than they can Booster. And I, there certainly does seem to be some sort of um, not like father son relationship, but there definitely seems to be like a teacher pupil thing going on with Eckingbottom and McBurney, almost like he's, he's like mentoring him as well as being his boss. I don't know that I'm just got Cat Stevens in my head now. <laughs> 
just the way they just the way they talk about each other. There's obviously a, a lot of mutual respect. But there does seem to be something that McBurney wants to to do well for Heckingbottom, and Heckingbottom's desperate to to get a tune out of McBurney. So, I mean, if it works to the you know to the betterment of the team, then long may it continue. Mm. I think all round players seem to want to play for Heckingbottom, which is you know you don't yeah. you don't sense you don't sense there's any. Bad apple. I know it's easy to say when you're winning, but you don't sense there's any bad apples in the camp that he's got a unit of players playing for each other, not as individuals, and, and playing for the manager and the coaching yeah. staff. And that you that we talk about a few times on here about that unity. We, we've liked that for a couple of seasons. Absolutely. Like we got very, I mean, this is the most somber we've been, uh, but like it's like that this is a great squad. And the manager, I really rate the manager, so we should do really well. So let's... title winning squad, title winning squad. This, and I keep saying it, and I, I said the other day. Obviously, there's there's a couple of caveats to that. I said the other day on on one of the WhatsApps, um, if one of our strikers steps up and gets 15, 18, 20 goals, we win the title, we win the division. Uh, and the other caveat to that is obviously that the squad is as is this time next week. Mm. So if we don't lose anyone, you know, if we don't lose a, an NGI or probably more, more likely a burger, we win the title this season. I'm, I'm, I've been, I've been seeing what I've seen. I just, and looking at that squad, I was confident before the season started and I've been seeing the last few games. I, I, think, we're, I think we're winning the title this season. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm with you, Dan. I've, I've, I felt really positive Ever since we started signing signing the the players we signed, the fact that I think Heckingbottom speaking so assured about Berg having this value and stuff, it's quite unusual for somebody who who, who may unless Heckingbottom's playing the board, which I doubt he is. Um, like you know, if a if is a big player that. Like being talked about, managers often, particularly bids have come in. Managers will be like, oh, "I'm not answering any questions on that today." And Eckingbottom faces up to it. Doesn't mean that he won't go, but if he does go, we get some decent coin for him. And you'd like to think there was some succession plan in there. I mean, Eckingbottom even said he goes, "Well, he's irreplaceable, so I can buy a player, but I can't replace Sanderberg." And I think that's fair. That's a fair point. Yeah. And oh. you know. On the recruitment, you have to you have to say, and, and I have to I have to give them because you know when Heckingbottom took over, and even back in the last season, I was quite pessimistic about this season, looking at the number of players that were a going to leave in terms of like your Gibbs Whites and stuff like that, uh, even Ben Davis, you know, bodies within the squad, the number of players who were out of contract, and I and I didn't see didn't see a lot of joined up thinking from the recruitment team based on what we've done for the past two or three seasons. And I didn't see us actually spending any money. I know we've only paid a fee for one player, but, you know, hats off to, to, to Heckingbottom and, and, uh, and the scouting network and the, and, the, and the owner, in fairness, and the board. They've managed to build a, a really good squad out of what was looking potentially quite threadbare you know, towards the back end of last season. And, and there's players there that, you know, in McAtee and Doyle, that, you know, they're not like they've been on the, you know, notably out on the radar. I've just read now, for instance, that 
Middlesbrough's agreed a two, two and a quarter million pound deal. I didn't see this yesterday with Brighton for Matt Clark. So Wilder's book of players is that same players that we're looking at. You know, we've looked at, you know, we looked at him when we signed Davis, weren't we? And he's, so, still, he's still struggling to sign a striker. Yeah. Whereas we've we've just got that. I don't know. There's something. something Gary, there, Gary Medina or Leon Clark to rock up at the Riverside at some time in the next seven days. The Chris, well, Wilder, the Chris Wilder big book of British scouting. Available in the works. <laughs> Ladybird book of British scouting. <laughs> we 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 should we we do jest, but like yeah, it's quite I think it's I think I think the recruitment for United's been great and puts us in a position to do everything we could want and more this season starting on Friday night. So Dan, did we both say 3-1? I said 3-1. Did you say 3-1 or were you 3 0? I thought I said 3 1. I thought I thought me and you said 3 1. I thought Phil had said 3 0. And I said 2-1 because I was being, you know, you know, we, I, I had, to, had some pessimistic balance given we've been accused of being optimistic since pre-season on this pod. Well, I've just tipped us for title, so that's uh, that's going well. <laughs> yeah, we've got our own resident Andy Tate in, in, in <laughs> <laughs> Um But yeah, no, in all seriousness, I think we're going to win on Friday. We're going to win 2-1, though. It'll be a tough game. I think we'll have enough. I actually could see us going one nil down and having to do a bit off the bench to do it. But yeah, two one, and McBurney's going to score because after he had that uh, shot saved on Saturday in first half, I put a tenner on him any time, and he fucking didn't, despite all the chances in second half. <laughs> you doing the same on Friday? No, this, I don't get paid till Monday. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. No, I. I it was it was just because I, I wasn't at the game and I was watching it and some extra excitement, I guess. But yeah. Sounds like that sounds like my Roger Nielsen bet from whatever it was 20, 25 years ago. Five five quid on Roger Nielsen at anything between thirty and thirty-five to one every single game and pretty much every single game he whistled one, you know, a foot past post or a foot over bar from twenty-five yards. I've no idea how much he owes me. Roger Nielsen, yeah. We should we should do a track down. Where is Roger Nielsen now? And how much does he owe Dan? Yeah, <laughs> turn turn up on his door. I'm happy to go to nowhere to find him. Nice nice country. Turn up and on his doorstep. I once, I don't, Ian, I don't if you remember this game, John. It might, I don't if you might have been too young for it. I once had a tenner on Chris Short for the first goal, and I don't if you remember there was a game where he he did he did an enjoy. He basically went past yes. about five players and then put it wide from about four yards. I'd had a tenner on him at something ridiculous again, like 35 to 1. Short was, I, I was around for short. So I remember as him as a fullback, he'd always go right to the byline. Like he was, he, he was very good at going right to the byline and, and the cutback. Well, um, this time he didn't. He just, he just went literally slaloming through players and he got through, clean through one on one. And I'm thinking, here we go. And he, he missed an absolute sitter. You'd already, you'd already spent. I'd already mentally spent three hundred and fifty quid or whatever it were. Yeah, it, all the pints you were going to buy everyone in the pub after, and we'd, yeah, it's easily done, isn't it? But yeah, I'd mentally spent it in Berlin's and Isabella's that night. Oh, did you have your bus tickets? Because yeah, I would have exactly, gone a long yeah. way with bus tickets. Yeah, my blast away <laughs> bus tickets or whatever they were. 
But yeah, three one for me tomorrow uh, on Friday night. So I know that was my Blackburn prediction, but I'm going. I'm going with it again. Three one. Um, I said three one away wins. Wow. And I'm I'm going two one. I, I agree with John. I think I think look. I think it's it's easy to dismiss it. Luton were all good at their place last season, and we 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 clearly struggled. I wasn't at that game. I was. It's about the anniversary this last weekend because I remember I was up in I was up in Edinburgh for the festival. So I remember following it on Twitter and everything else, and just being utterly depressed at the time. But that's different manager, different time. But I think at home there'll be a difficult side, um, and not the side we saw at Bramall Lane last season, as we say when they just look like the worst side to come to Lane all season. So I think two one. Yeah. Maybe even Luke Freeman scoring and everyone going, we should have, we should have, had a, we should have given him a chance. <laughs> should have, would have, could have. Should have, would have, could have. And on Macy Gray, uh, we probably should. Was it Macy Gray? Yeah, it was. Uh, should have, would have, could have. Last words of reform. Uh, we we said we'd keep it short and sweet, boys. Um, if you're still listening, our good friend Johnny Toyne, we've managed to uh, not masticate any crisps during the podcast tonight. So... Can I just, can I just clarify much. that you said masticate then? I did. Right, just check him. Yeah, I didn't, didn't, didn't know if we needed to put a, a not suitable for work disclaimer on this, that's all. I mean, I don't know how you masturbate crisps, but <laughs> wants to Google that and let us know. Obviously, you'd be all looking forward to the uh, World Cup squad announcement, but uh, with Philip enjoying uh, Cornwall, we didn't want to do one without him. So... Uh, Guess we'll be doing 24 podcasts this season as a minimum. But yeah, so um nothing nothing much to say. Few people have voted for us in the podcast awards. That's very kind. Uh, we've got no chance of winning it whatsoever. But if you do like us, you can always you can always put a nomination in for that. But there's nothing else to say apart from a massive, big, lovely up the blades. Up the blades. Up the blades. trainers Joe what these no mate I've had them for years just got them back from being cleaned look really good don't they yeah really is that a thing honestly they look new mate they look class yeah it's a thing really reasonable too had them done at this place called glistening kicks they're in Sheffield but fellas are blade too oh nice one that saves buying new ones doesn't it how do I find them I've got a few pairs need looking at myself absolutely save save me someone who's got a bit of trader for headship an absolute fortune you can get them on social media like most things these days they're on twitter at glistening kicks and instagram at glistening underscore kicks or they have a website www.glisteningkicks.co.uk give them a shout the process is dead easy they collect them safely and then drop them back off with you and if you take them around yourself that process could be even quicker um they look feel and smell like new and it's I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed and I'm already looking at what pairs I'm going to take down um, next to have him look out for us. Nice one. Cheers for that. I'm going to get on to them straight away. What was their Insta again? At glistening underscore kicks. That's the one. Really good service and I couldn't recommend it enough to any blades. Brilliant. Nice one. All the blades.